I'm up here is it's because I've been called out of the bullpen, right? Coach gave me the signal um, and said, hey, you got you to take the starting pitcher out and relieve him. Um, <laughs> Pastor Fields is a little under the weather, and so um, if you have the moment, feel free to send him a text message. Don't inundate with him a bunch of calls, but definitely send him some prayers for fast healing. Um, but he just, he was feeling it, and he called me out the bullpen today. You know, Pastor, I need enter the Sandman next time for you to play um, for like, so I can feel like Mariano Rivera coming out the bullpen. Um, but uh, 2021, off to a decent start for some of you. Right? Is it, is it going pretty well? I know some of you may be nervous to make some New Year's resolutions, kind of like you did last year. Right? You're like, uh, 2020 was kind of rough, so I might hold off on it for a little bit. Um, 2021 so far is doing pretty well for me. Um, I made a New Year's resolution to stop eating out as much. Um, as a single guy, sometimes it's just easier to go get something to eat instead of having to cook for yourself. Um, there's only been two occasions where I've done that. Um, my monthly meals with my mom, uh, last time I'm quarantined at work, you know, we, we do a, a weekly uh, lunch together um, just to have mother and son time. And I enjoy that. We go out to eat for that. And then the national title game, I got some Papa John's. So I've been doing pretty well. But the problem is I have all these apps on my phone to order food. And they send me so many promotions all the time. Firehouse, you're killing me, okay? You know I love some Firehouse subs. You're killing me. But I'm working to develop some new habits. If you saw me yesterday, I had to wander around the store at Hy-Vee for some teriyaki sauce because I could not find it. It didn't make sense to me where it was in the store. And so I had to circle the, the, the place at least three times because I'm too prideful to ask for help. Um, just so I can find some teriyaki sauce, because I have this Instant Pot recipe that I want to try. So, so far I'm doing pretty good. Um, but those new habits are tough. I guarantee you this week, when I go to the gym, there's going to be less people this week than there was the previous week. And as we go deeper into it, the ones that already have those habits of going to the gym, They've been doing it the whole time, but those that are trying to develop this new habit, some of them are going to fall off the wagon. Um, so hopefully, whatever habits you guys have, you're still working on it. Sometimes it feels like you're climbing a mountain, but I encourage you to uh, continue to do so. And so that's kind of why, why I titled this sermon, it's called At the Foot of the Mountain. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 17 to get today. And uh, as you turn to that, I'm kind of give you an understanding of where we're at in Jesus' ministry, just so you can get the full scope of today's message. Um, a few chapters before, in Matthew 15, Jesus feeds 4,000 people with a, couple loaves of, a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And afterwards, they collect all the leftovers, and there's basketfuls. Um, the previous chapter... Uh, Jesus gets asked some questions and tested by the Pharisees and Sadducees. He answers that. Peter, uh, then he, Jesus turns to Peter and asks Peter, who, who does he think Jesus is? And, G, and Peter makes a declaration that you are the Son of God for the first time. And then um, he goes and proceeds to predict his death. 
and Peter, who a few uh, scriptures beforehand was just declaring him son of God, says, hey, no, that, that prediction is wrong, uh, not on my watch. And he tells him, get behind me, Satan. And then he says, in one of my favorite scriptures, uh, verse 24 says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. I love that scripture. It's highlighted in every single Bible that I have. Um, something that Pastor Fields loves to also teach us as well. So this is where we pick ourselves up today. Matthew chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. It says, After six days... Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Now, some of you may not be what we refer to as outdoorsy, right? But how many of you have gone, gone hiking or gone up a mountain or a large hill? I see a few hands. Okay. And you know there's some preparations you've got to make, right? Do I have the right boots on? Do I have the right things? Am I in shape enough? Right, to do this. And so Jesus comes to you and says, hey, let's go up this mountain. Um, some of you are like, this sounds like a terrible idea. And some, are, some of you might be really excited. Um, there was a time, one of the foundational workouts, I went to Park Hill South High School. Almost every one of you have drove by Park Hill South High School hundreds of times. You know, it's right there on 635. You come across state line, you can see it from miles away because it's on top of a hill, right? You can see it, you can see it right from the highway, you drive by, it's a big, huge building. It's hard to miss, okay? That's the high school that I went to. I know Kirsten and uh, JK, the drummer here, uh, went there as well. And you can see it. Everyone knows where, a lot of people know where it's at, especially in the Northland. It's hard to miss. And at track practice, one of the foundational workouts Coach Leonard would have us to do is first we would, you know, show up to the track, and he says, hey, don't warm up on the track. Your warm-up is going to be the run to Argosy Casino. <laughs> Wait, what, coach? <laughs> it's about two and a half miles, coach. That's the warm-up. And as a sprinter who hates running two laps, okay, that sounds like a terrible idea. He said the warm-up is going to be your two-and-a-half-mile run to Argosy Casino. And there they have a park where it's flat. Okay? And every time we would do that, we would do a particular workout. It's called a fart lick. Okay? It's a foundational. All track athletes do that long-distance sprinters. It's an incredible workout. If you are just starting to run, I will probably encourage you to do some fart licks more so than just run 10 miles because it, it gets your endurance up. It also teaches you how to rest while running. It's, I know, crazy concept, but it, it has a lot of benefits as runners. And so Fartlicks, every track program throughout history incorporates this workout. And it's a tough workout. It's a tiring workout. So you go, you're already tired by the time you show up, or I was, and then you do the workout, which is even more exhausting. And then coach says, okay, you're done. The problem is you're two and a half miles away from the school we have to return back to. <laughs> so, you got to run back. And there's a point, and, and the, 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 the street that you take to get back to the school takes you in front of the, the main entrance at Park Hill South. Now, 
you are able to see the school from the highway, but at the foot, the main entrance, you cannot see the building at all. After doing a workout, that hill is exhausting. It looks like a mountain. It looks impossible. You're already tired. You're exhausted. And now I've got to climb this hill to finish my workout? Man, athletes have some existential questions while working out all the time. At that foot of that main entrance, I guarantee you, I had some questions about the meaning of life, <laughs> right? At that moment, I had some, what Pastor calls, some coming to Jesus moments, okay? And you just have to get through it. You just have to just put one foot in front of the other to get through it. Because you know, when you're, once you get to the top and get to the track, you're done. But you've got to go through it. But the foot of the mountain, it's, it's rough. And so Jesus takes these three and takes them to that, it says, a high mountain by themselves. Verse 2. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Jesus takes them up the moment to have them experience what Peter declared a chapter ago. He had them personally experience who he really is. And who he really is is the fulfillment of the law. And he's the fulfillment of the prophecies. See, Moses, after freeing God's people out of Egypt by parting the Red Sea, went to a mountaintop at Mount Sinai to hear from God who gives him the law. And he comes back down with the law and how these God's people should run their lives and how they're going to govern and so forth. He gives them the law. The lawgiver is there with Jesus as well as Elijah, who after doing many, many different prophecies and miracles himself, went up to a mountaintop to hear a small voice from God. And he's there at that moment with Jesus as a fulfillment of those prophecies. Two incredible men in the Old Testament, which is three-fourths of the Bible, showing that Jesus, who, he, who they're talking to, it has to be an incredible moment for them as well to experience the fulfillment of everything that they, their life's work. It's an incredible experience. See how the disciples react. Verse 4. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Who wouldn't want to be in that moment forever? Peter's like, hey, I just saw you feed 4,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread. I know you got the food, Jesus. All right, I'll build some shelters. We'll be good. We can stay in this moment forever. It'd be like a little heaven on earth. I get to be with Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, who shine like a lamp right now. This is an incredible moment. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. Of course, I would be too, right? If I heard James Earl Jones from the clouds, I would be, I'll be terrified too, right? That's how the God voice in my head sounds like, okay? I watched too much Lion King as a kid. He's, over, he's forever going to be James Earl Jones in my mind. But he, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. One of the things I recognize about this is sometimes being alone with God sometimes requires a bit of climbing. One of the things we did last year as, at FCA as a, uh, as a men's group, we uh, read a book called, by John Eldridge called Get Your Life Back. Now, it's very weird for your boss to, you know, recommend this book and that we go through this together as a men's group to get your life back. They're like, wait a minute, right? Like, don't you want us to work more, <laughs> right? You're telling us to do the opposite. That's why I love working for FCA and what I get to do. But this book is going through, and he talks about needing to get away from the crowds, the people, devices, distractions, Netflix, Hulu, sports, Sports Center, uh, whatever, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and to get back outside of that, remove those distractions, just so that you can get reconnected with God. So sometimes that feels like climbing a mountain. Because as soon as we wake up, we have 15 emails waiting for us on our phone. And messages. And Facebook. And YouTube. And all these different things, right? You know, I'm guilty. The first thing I did, because I, I went to bed early, and I didn't order the Conor McGregor fight, is to check social media to see what happened at that fight. And, saw, and look at the video. Oh, he got knocked out. Oh, man. Right? I'm guilty of that, too. Okay? Um, how many of us need to climb that mountain so that we can experience God again? What mountains do you have to climb just to get yourself and carve some time out with God himself? Because these mountaintop experiences are so powerful and so incredible, and they are desperately needed. We've never been more busy as a species in our entire lives. Even when working from home, I feel just as busy as I've ever been. I'm not going anywhere. I save myself the 20, 30-minute commute to work every day, but I'm just as busy. Just as busy. I'm going to deal with rush hour traffic and all that, but I'm just as busy. Why is that? That's because learning to be alone with Jesus can sometimes feel like climbing that mountain. There's some practicality stuff that John Eldridge describes in that book about scheduling time. And once you become, start to scheduling time and getting yourself away and out into nature, right? There's, there's a... Um, water like there's, there, there's a waterfall at, at Park University in, in the trails back there where if I had to hear and really listen to God, I typically go to that spot. 
It was, it was a waterfall I ran by a lot as a kid as Pastor Fields was yelling at me. Um, but now it's a moment in time where I get to hear and listen to God and hear the water. And it's very calming. It's very peaceful. And it's surrounded by woods. And you're just like, man, this feels like the Garden of Eden right here. But there's something to that. And when we get to the mountaintop along with Jesus, he desires to restore, renew, and transform us. I get to hear many of your, your testimonies throughout the years and, and Bible studies and so forth. And I get to hear some of your mountaintop experiences with God. And they're so incredibly powerful. I mean, think about the first time you gave your life to Christ. The emotion and how on fire you were and how you couldn't wait to get down this aisle and declare yourself in giving your life to Christ. Think about the time you had to go into this pool right here and you got submerged and you came up and you breathed your first breath like you never breathed before. You gasped for air like it's a brand new life. And in those moments, we wish we could be in those moments forever. Because those are cherishable moments. We can remember being on fire, and that fire fades away. And we have to refresh that fire, okay? We have to refresh that fire. We need those mountaintop experiences, but it's hard to do it when social media and Stephen A. Smith is yelling on the background. It's very difficult to do so. You have to get away and remove yourself away from that. Verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and restores all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. When, the crowd, when, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. So they come down from the mountaintop experience, where they get to see Jesus transfigured and shown for who all his glory. Elijah, Moses is there, and God speaks from the heavens, and they're coming down from the mountain, and there is a large crowd waiting for them there. See, the reason why we can't always stay at the mountain is because there's people waiting for us at the bottom, at that foot of the mountain. Jesus understood that. Time and time again, we saw him remove himself from the people, get fulfilled at that mountaintop type experience so that he can meet the people at that foot of the mountain. Mm -hmm. Jesus longs to love through us, which means we can't stay in the mountains. Now, I encourage you to come to church and Bible studies as much as you can, but you can't stay here. You have to go to the foot of the mountain where the people desperately need you. 
couple weeks ago, I had the somber experience of having to go into a childhood friend and former teammate of mine's premature funeral. And Pastor definitely understands. We all understand what a premature funeral looks like. It was terrible news that we got. Mr. Key, see, I saw your son there. I'm so proud. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. I'm so just I'm happy to the man he's turned out to be. And knowing you, it's, it's, it's to be expected. But it's a somber time, somber experience. Here's a kid that I grew up with, a couple, few years younger than me. And so it was kind of like a big brother, little brother type relationship. But he was in the neighborhood, always bothering me, coming over, playing pool and stuff, or try to test his basketball skills against mine. He's, or talking to my sister, making fun of her, whatever. He was always around. And then even then, after like high school and college, we got reconnected playing pickup basketball at the Y, at the local Y. And we got together, we got to relive our glory. We, got to, we played in a couple of competitive leagues together, won one of them. Um, some of you I shared that um, basketball league and where there were some gunshots outside right before I was about to play my first game. And I turned to, uh, to him and said, what league did you sign me up for? Right, like, <laughs> where am I? I should not be here. Um, he's the guy that, you know, encouraged me to do so. And so we had this uh, uh, reconnected uh, after school, and we are trying to relive our glory days. And during that time, I was already in my ministry, and I knew he was going through some life struggles. And so I, during basketball, we're taking a break while we're waiting for the game to finish so we can go on and play. We would have life conversations and so forth. He was always super receptive, super warming guy, bunch of charisma, great smile, great energy, but he had some demons. And to go to that funeral and see some of his running partners and see how bad they were hurting was tough. Because in my mind, my ministry mind is like, man, it's hard to see someone put themselves in this, this situation. But imagine one of the buddies that you should do some of this stuff with is now in the, in the grave and you live. And the questions that they have to go through in their minds, it was tough. And I had to be there to help encourage them. And I gave my phone number away, say, hey, if you need anything, just call me. They're at the foot of the mountain. And while that service was tough, I remember leaving and saying, I need to do more. I've never been more motivated to go back to work or back into ministry, come back in this church to teach again because there are people that are needing us at that foot of the mountain. I had to disconnect for a day or two to get back to my mountaintop experience so I can be fulfilled so I can get back to that foot of the mountain. Similar the same way Jesus did. Giving himself, Jesus, giving himself away to the crowd. He meets them where they're at. His life purpose wasn't to build his own fame, but simply to give it away. The very light that he shone at the top of the mountain, he freely gave away at the bottom of it. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. Jesus chooses to love the world through us. What simple things can we do to ensure 
that His glory is reflected in, through us in every situation. But some of you may be listening to this not understanding what that mountaintop experience is like. You've never been up to the mountaintop. You're like that kid, that 15-year-old me who just got through that workout at two and a half miles away and had to run back. And I'm worn out and tired, beaten down from life, staring at the mountain. I, need, I know I need to climb, but not sure if I can make it. The incredible thing is, is that love came down to rescue us. Because Jesus was, at, he was even higher in the mountaintops. He was with, in the clouds with God himself. And he came down here. He could have stayed at the mountaintop as Peter built a shelter, but he comes down. Over and over again, he sees that love comes down to rescue the people who are in the need of a Savior. He wasn't hiding in God's presence to escape the evils of the, of the society. He wasn't hiding away, drifting away. He understood that I am in this world. I can help influence society and culture by being the light. Like Isaac described in the song this morning, he is willing to meet you, not just at the mountaintop, but in the valley. Extending his hand, his love and presence isn't just when you're at the highest moments of life. It's always easy for us to understand that when I'm feeling great, everything's going great in my life, it's great, it's easy to understand God's presence at that moment. I had a similar experience like that last Sunday. Okay, I'm sitting there so excited that uh, the Chiefs won, right? Praying to God that Mahomes is going to be okay, <laughs> all right? And I'm watching... Uh, the breakdowns of the games and so forth, and I get a phone call. You know, so that morning I asked God for a blessing. I just asked him in prayer. I was in the back doing, you know, helping out the live stream, and I just asked God, hey, God, while pastor's up here talking, can you just send me a blessing? I get a phone call uh, from a family friend, and she says, hey, we just bought four tickets to the Chiefs game. And I'm like, great, you're going to have a great time. Because in the back of my mind, I know um, I was already planning to host a watch party at my house with my family. And we had discussed during our watch party together during the game that those were the most expensive Chief tickets. Last week's were the most expensive Chiefs tickets in Chiefs history. And so, me, the way my checking and savings account is set up, I, <laughs> I, I know I can't afford <laughs> Chiefs playoff ASC championship game tickets. That's just not something where I'm at in my stage of life. And so I'm like, oh, you're going to have a great time, right? Hope it's not going to be too cold. I, you know, you're going to have a great time. It's going to be you know, a four, uh, half of the people, a fourth of the people there. So maybe some of the drunks and craziness is priced out of it. So you're going to have a great time, right? <laughs> and she pauses. She goes, well, yeah, you know, but I'm calling to see if you want to go. Uh, 
I, I can't afford to say no. I, yes, yes, I will go. So while you're there, you know, if you see my eyes, because my, my only thing you'll see as I'm bottled up, right, uh, I'll be there cheering loud and screaming. But uh, it was one of those, you get off the phone, and you understand, like, that's, she blessed me incredibly by giving me the opportunity. I'm going with my brother-in-law and her and another person. It's going to be a great time. I can't wait. We're going to be stressed out, um, just as many of you are watching on TV. But um, it's going to be a great time. And as I close the phone, and I, you know, I've sat there, and just one of those, it was one of those mountaintop, like, God, you answered that right away. And I can't wait to go and, and live in that moment and experience God's blessing for me at that moment today, later today. And we can always remember those moments. But I also remember those moments where I was down on my knees crying, hurt, broken, not knowing what I'm going to do, what path of life I'm going to take, the mess I got myself in, how am I going to get myself out of this? And I remember that hand being extended out. And like Isaac said, I never want to let go of it. He's offering that hand to you. If you're at that foot of the mountain, he's offering that hand. And if he needs to, he's going to drag you up to that mountaintop. And the reason why, and the disciples reflect on this, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, out of the message, it says... They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of His face. And so, we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. Some of you need to climb that mountain so you can become more like Him. Some of you need to come down to meet the people at the foot of the mountain. But the great thing is, is when we do, we reflect him. And when we climb, we become more like him. So I encourage you, don't give up on your 2021 resolutions. Instead, you might want to add on to it today. You might need to climb some mountains this week. You might need to disconnect and, and go on some, into nature onto a walk and just talk with him. Download, a po- download the sermon podcast and just listen to it while you walk and reconnect with the Savior who is trying to build you up so you can meet the people at the foot of the mountain. Because there are times the 15-year-old me want to give up at the entrance of Park Hill South. But there's the voices, the coach encouraged us to keep, keep going, keep pushing, keep moving. Go to your foundation, go to your form. And once you get to the mountaintop, not only are you finished, 
but you have a new understanding and new levels in which you know you can obtain. Let us pray. Dear God, we come to you as humble as we know how, Lord. Some of us want to live and reflect on that mountaintop experiences you've given us in the past. Some of us may be yearning to see your presence again, to feel it, to rekindle that fire that we felt like is lost. We're stuck in the houses. We're during a pandemic. We can't do some of the things that we know and love to do. This is a perfect opportunity for us to disconnect and reconnect with you. We ask that those that are feeling that way, that you make it possible and make a way to meet them where they're at so that you can take them up to the mountaintop and be with them personally because you are a personal God. And some of us may feel like we can never climb that mountain. We understand that your love comes down to meet us where we're at. That you extend your hand. That you love us so much that you said, I will be that lamb sacrifice for you. I will put you on my back and carry you up the hill if I need to. Just so that I can have a personal relationship with you because you love us that much. God, we're so excited. We uplift Pastor Fields. We encourage that you reach and touch his body, have him a quick recovery and healing so that he can get back into what he does. Get back into that starting pitching rotation. Because we understand that he reaches out and coaches us through us at the foot of that mountain to encourage us to keep climbing. God, we love you. We honor you. And to your son's name we pray. Amen.